Welcome, everybody, to Sour and Sass. We are joined today by Tamara, Unbounce's <laughs> VP of Strategic Growth. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm both excited and nervous at the same time. Oh, it should be. So I was like, as we were waiting, <laughs> I was reading the outside of these candies. And warning, eating multiple pieces within a short time period may cause temporary irritation. Let me oh, tell you. no. It is not May. It will. And so we are going to have a lot of fun today, though, talking about strategic growth, product-led growth, uh, what that means, and, and diving into it. Now, before we get started, let's get a candy, because I think this is the best way to get started right with it. So I have a warhead on my hands. Are you looking? Okay. Oh, my no, God. Did we, get, did, we, did we ship you those? You shipped me this giant package of them. Good, we can interview you for the next century. This is perfect. Exactly. All year I'll be here. <laughs> That's great. Oh, my God. Okay, what color do I start with? Orange. Try to find an orange one. If you got an orange one you like. Uh, I don't think I have orange. I have red, yellow, blue, right, green, red, and pink. Red. Okay. Oh, gosh. Black cherry is my least favorite flavor. Let's I get it over with. No one's watching. Just switching it. Sorry. <laughs> All right. On three. One, two. Uh-oh. I'm cheating. Okay. Now, mm -hmm. take us first a little bit through your career, right? So you got started in marketing, and then it looks like you're at some different places. You're at Ideon Media, so is that an agency? Yeah, it was an agency. Okay. And then you yeah. went to Yellow Pages. You went to the corporate world. I did. And you learned, did you learn product there? Tell us a little bit. So when you went from agency, was that your first experience with product? How did that go? Yeah, so when I was working at the agency, I was managed all of our content strategy and a team of writers and our social media. And when I moved to Yellow Pages, it was to help launch and manage our social media product. And so that was kind of the connection between my marketing background and my product marketing background. So I started as a campaign manager there, actually running client campaigns, but also these are really sour. I you know. You get better at it, you know, like over over the weeks. But yeah, it's sour. No, it's yeah. really it's not fake sour. Like that's real sour. Totally. So um, I I was running a campaign manager. We were also launching this brand new product. It was only fifty customers, and I ended up being responsible for bringing it to market and kind of fell into product marketing. It certainly wasn't the job I we went looking for, but I was responsible for getting more customers, figuring out what the product offering would be monetizing it and started to understand that this actually had a job title it was product marketing and i was super excited about it and it allowed me to combine it's starting to get sweet now so it's better <laughs> i combined my my love of business and my my business background which i had from doing my masters in publishing with this like creative side that i loved about like storytelling and marketing and things like that no i love that so 
one of my good friends, he does product marketing. And so I never knew, and I, I don't know if everyone listening truly knows what product marketing does, right? So one of my good friends does it for hardware. Now, he does it in a way I had no clue of, and I don't think it's the same in SaaS. So he's doing like sourcing, procurement, mm. raw materials. He has, he has to hit like certain like unit costs. And so he's like doing, I thought like he's doing display, like placement. He's doing all this other stuff. So in software for everyone listening and anyone who's curious, what, what does product marketing do in your mind? Totally. So product marketing is really responsible for the go to market strategy for your product and really understanding the value that your product drives and then matching that value to the customers who will see it best. That's at like the highest level. You know, product marketing has a, an interesting background because originally it very much came out as a marketing uh, function and it was, you know, I'm the person that writes the marketing copy for this product. Maybe I'm updating one pages or creating collateral. But it's evolved into this completely strategic function where we're actually leading go-to-market strategy and we're partners with the product managers and we're really co-creating, you know, the future of the business. And so it's super exciting. So now it includes everything from customer segmentation. So what customers should we be focusing on and why? Monetization. So what's the best way to monetize those customers with the products that we have available? And, you know, product launch, which is an obvious one. Okay, I love that. So you're the product marketing person right and you're going to market mm -hmm. how long do you take to evaluate that in your mind like is a product successful at the 90 day mark the 180 day mark two year mark like what's the window when we say go to market at what point have we gone to market and at what point are we optimizing the market like where's like you know what i mean because go to market it's right. like okay we're here did we do it right like where do we need to go how does that like go to market and then how does it grow in product market yeah, I think it's more of a strategy than like a time and place. So again, like previously when we think about product launch, even a couple of years ago, we think about it as like a big launch day. We put all of our eggs in that one basket, we launch it and then we maybe measure the results for three months. And then it's like, we either nailed it or we didn't and we iterate accordingly. This new way of thinking about product development and product marketing in general is all about iterative value and shipping that incremental value. And so for us, this starts from like day one of ideation, working with product managers on what should, what are the customer problems we're trying to solve? How can we solve that with a solution and slowly shipping the product and then introducing to customers. So we'll start with an alpha and then a beta and then a GA or general availability launch. And all of that is a continuous process and that could take at a company, depending on the size of the feature, three months or two years. Uh, you know, for us, we are focusing on something called rolling thunder launches, where we're really focusing on the like not putting all of our eggs in that one basket of even a GA day, but really incremental effort to continue to drive awareness and excitement of the product. Yeah, so I love that. So let's get even deeper here. Right. So um, I'm at Unbounce. I'm the new CEO. I come from the agents from the C world. I don't know anything about product development. And I'm trying to understand how Unbounce thinks about product, right? Because we want to launch a new uh, copy, a tool mm -hmm. that does copy analysis. And we want to launch a product, okay? So I'm sitting here kind of in my little, let's say, castle. And I'm thinking, okay, sounds like they're doing a pod, right? We have this product manager who is managing maybe engineers. We have a product marketing person who's managing marketers, who's in charge and who, who do you think should be? 
right? Does engineering own the product? Does marketing own the product or does sales? And is there a salesperson? Like who's in charge? What should that look like? Like, what do you think? Oh yeah, it's such a tricky one. Uh, you know, I believe that it's a collaboration and it's about co-creation. So at Unbounce, we have uh, a product unit that focuses on having a product manager, a tech lead, as well as a design lead. And then we assign a product marketing manager to that unit as well. And the four of them are really a team in everything from the very beginning to bringing it to market. I think there's different points in the process where one would lean in more. It's a bit of an ebb and flow. And so understanding the accountabilities and what each person can bring to the table is important. I would say that probably the product marketer and the product manager are the most involved throughout the entire journey. Uh, whereas obviously the engineers are involved once it's actually time to like deliver the product. What happens to sales? Why isn't sales a part of this in your mind? Where do they live, right? Because don't they need to yeah. cross sell existing portfolio? We need to, because mm -hmm. the revenue, if we can get it from our customer base, is easier than if we get the new ones, right? So kind of how does that fit in your world? Are we doing another one? I'm doing Tomorrow. another one. Jesus. I have to I, keep up with you. No, I really don't like cherry, so I'm going to get rid of this cherry one. You're getting rid of it? Okay, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. This one's so worse. Sour, though. Why are you doing this to yourself? It's so sour. Oh, my God. Right, okay. So... I believe that product marketing should be the conduit into the rest of the organization. And so if product marketers and product managers can build this relationship where they each represent, this is so sour, part of the business. I love it. You're the most animated I've had yet, where you're just like, I'm dying. You're just killing me. Dying. It's truly, my, my box says extreme. And I think that you guys oh, give yeah. me like the extra sour ones or something. Oh, it is, it is. This is as good as they get. This mm -hmm. is what we're hoping for. So, so okay. you say product marketing is the leader, right? They're the conduit. They're the ones that are integrating Into it. the rest of the org. And so then what happens is the product marketing manager forms a launch team where we have stakeholders from the rest of like what we would call revenue side of the business. So we have a stakeholder from customer success, one from sales, sales one from marketing. And this is where we work with those stakeholders to help them understand the strategy that's been built, um, bring them up to speed, and then work with them as subject matter experts on how we can bring this to market, how we can bring this to prospects, how we can bring this to customers, because those teams are the experts at what they do. And so they help us develop that rest of that go-to-market strategy. I love that. Last foundational question, then we'll get more into the weeds of this. Mm -hmm. I would be very frustrated if I was a product marketing manager and I didn't control the roadmap. Hmm. So let's say I show up and the engineering team says, here's the product, go market it. To me, I've already lost because I didn't get to control the unique value prop, the, the use case, the, so how early in your mind, that's what I'm so curious about. Like, if engineering is technically owning the product and then marketing is supposed to help, like, can you really win? Like, you know what I mean? Or just totally. So I, yeah, no, I could not work somewhere or lead a team where that was our philosophy. It has to be embedded from day one. Like product marketing has to be part of the ideation process and not even ideating the solution, but identifying the customer problems. And so I try to focus with my team and the product management team, how can we work together to identify who are the customers that we're trying to solve problems for? 
once we know those customers, what problems do they have? Which ones do we actually want to solve or have we committed to solving? And then we can start identifying what are potential solutions to solve those problems. And so by the time that they land on the roadmap, we've already been involved from a very strategic perspective in understanding what's happening. Uh, product management has full control over what that actual product roadmap looks like. And oftentimes we'll start with an idea of a solution and then we'll get into beta and perhaps it didn't land as well as we thought. And so we'll, we'll pivot or change our uh, strategy a little bit, but we're included as part of that process so that we understand the context of everything. So that by the time it comes to build a go-to-market plan and understand like, how are we monetizing this? What have we learned along the way? We have that full context. Okay, no, I love that. Now I'm gonna get a little anecdotal. <laughs> I have the blessing of working with hundreds of SaaS firms and we go pretty deep with our clients. You know, like we, we're really in it with them. And the deeper you get, the more you want to work with product on the SEO, PPC, performance marketing side. Now, I think we all could hear from you how we can work with product better. Now, here's been my generic experience, not my, you know, explicit, but my generic has been that product marketers are more worried about us messing with what they have than empowering us to accelerate it. In other words, I found product marketers to be very defensive mm -hmm. in working with outside people and less like, here's my goals, here's what I'm trying to accomplish, how can you help me? And more like, that's not in line with what I'm doing. Oh, that's not what I'm doing. Very much more like that. And so, it's a little bit like working with content, like as an SEO agency and you go partnering, like the hardest people to partner as an SEO shop is with the content marketing department, hands down, because they have their own brand goals and all these things. Yeah. And then you show up with your other goals that are organic traffic related and you collide. I found that paid media teams and product marketing teams collide very similarly where a product marketer thinks this is the value prop of their product. And then the paid media team says, well, We'd like to split test this type of landing page where we think this is the value of the product and there's a collision. So what do we as advertisers and marketers need to know about product marketing and how you all think? Yeah, that's an amazing question. I think in my experience on the other side, sometimes the frustration comes from as a marketer, you're very focused on execution of your campaigns and your programs. And, you know, it's easy to jump into wanting like all of the details of that. Whereas as a product marketer or as a product manager, we're trained to think about what's the value we're trying to deliver versus like what's the individual feature that delivers that value. And, and we try to lead from a place that is here's that value. And so I know uh, even just spending time when you start to have the relationship to be like, hey, here's how I think about things. How do you think about things? And what do we both need to be successful at what we're trying to accomplish is just a great place to start. Even when I'm you know, building my relationship with a product manager, I start with that conversation as well. But I do think there are, it is easy when you're like so deep into something, you're like, this is the value. Like I've heard it from customers. It makes total sense. It, it is easy to just get stuck in that way of thinking. And so I actually think it is good if someone else is saying, well, is there another way of describing that value? Or is there a different customer set who may experience that value differently? I, for one, am always down to test value props with PPC. It's a great way or to build landing pages to see which value prop resonates better. Uh, so it could just be the relationship forming and maybe providing the per perspective. I don't, I recognize that you did a lot of research into validating that value prop, 
but there could be nuances to it, or there could be ways of going to market slightly different. I love that. Now, I think it could be something different that I just kind of thought while you're talking. Mm -hmm. I don't know what your KPIs are. So like, I don't know what product marketing is being judged by, right? So if I come, I get judged by this and you're like, but we get judged by this, that creates a rip, right? So I guess even generically, like, you know, like paid media, it's like MQLs and cost per MQL, organic MQLs and cost per MQL product. What What's the KPI for product? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple different ways of slicing it and there isn't one right or wrong way. And it really will depend on how your organization is set up. When I coach other product marketing teams, I often think about them in three ways. The first one is like business KPIs. So these are things like growth rate, revenue, uh, maybe customer count, uh, ARPU, so the average revenue per user, uh, things that if you've nailed the product marketing, you will be able to achieve those metrics, but you're not responsible entirely for those metrics. The second one would be behavior metrics. So this goes into things like customer adoption or the behaviors that you're trying to drive in product, whether that's uh, getting someone set up or activating them. Because part of product marketing isn't just launching products. It's about that whole experience of the customer lifecycle. What products do we want them to adopt when? What behaviors do we want them to experience to make sure that they get that value? And so we would measure things like that. Or, you know, there's a category that I call influence KPIs that are more about, okay, we are a key stakeholder management function where we align with sales, as we mentioned, you know, marketing, CS, product, what are they all trying to achieve and how do we support them? So uh, if we're working with the marketing team, for example, they want to drive top of funnel brand awareness. And so we can help them do that by generating really great case studies, by helping with positioning and messaging. And if we've nailed those things, then hopefully they've nailed their awareness goals. And so we've influenced that goal. Okay. Now, I'd like an explicit answer if you could give it. So if Mm -hmm. we had, right? So I show up and I'm working with Unbounce and I product, it's like, cause here's the thing, right? SaaS organizations look very different all the time, depending Mm -hmm. on what the leader's perspective of that organization is around who should drive growth. Some are engineering led, some are product led, some are sales led and some are marketing led. What's the one KPI if you had to choose one that could unite product, sales, and marketing all around it, what would that KPI be in your mind? Maybe a revenue target. Uh, and I'll explain. Uh, obviously, it makes sense for marketing and sales, but a good product team understands how their product influences the business and is trying to drive business value and not just customer value and recognizes that you can't separate the two. And this kind of comes down to monetization, which is if you've built a great product that solves problems for a customer and you've validated that and you're able to monetize it properly, then all three of those parts of the organization start to sing. And I'm really big about like value-based pricing and truly understanding what's the value of your product for a customer. And then understanding once you know what that value metric is, how much is a customer willing to pay for that value? and then pricing your product accordingly. And so if you price it, you know, we're all working towards one goal. And we just went through this experience at Unbounce actually. And now it's really united all of our teams where we know what the value metric is. We know what customers value, how much they're willing to pay for it. And if we all just focus on that one thing, we know we'll drive company growth. 
I love that. So I'm going to do two follow-ups then. Number one, when you go to market, you have a new product. What's the LTV CAC we're aiming for? Are we aiming for an LTV CAC of one, two, three, higher than that? Are we okay? Like kind of what, wait, like if, because like the common number is three, right? Like that's, an, but that's different than going to market, right? Like, so what's your perspective when we launch, right? And we've got revenue as our KPI mm -hmm. and we've all launched this new product and we're looking at the value of our customers on our forecasted model versus how much acquired costs to acquire them. What should that like LTV CAC be at the three month mark? What do you think is a good benchmark? You know, we don't even look at it that way. So I don't even have a good answer for that. The, what I would be measuring is something like my ARPU, especially if I believe that like it's the revenue number and I've monetized it properly. So I would be looking at like, what's my package ratio? Are customers choosing the right package that has my feature in it? Are they willing to pay for that? Uh, is that landing well? That would be really important. Uh, and then also adoption. So, um, you know, people could pay for something, they can say that they want something, they can buy your product, but if they don't actually use that feature, then they don't really want it. And so customer adoption is very important. And it's interesting to look at a customer adoption, not just blanketed across the board, but who's actually adopting it, who are your early adopters, and you're probably gonna have some hypotheses about this going into it, but that's part of that learning process where it's like three months out, you're seeing, you're iterating, you're changing your strategy based on that. And then you're funneling that back up to marketing to say, hey, here's who our early adopters are, they're seeing a lot of success, we see they're willing to pay, go find us more of those, or how can we start to market more for them? And that's probably where the LTV, the CAC, would come back in where we'd be like, okay, can we actually affordably go and and find more of those? No, I love this. Now, across hundreds of SaaS companies, public, private, etc. I've never had someone from product give me access to their Penta or their Penda, their mix panel, whatever they're using. So, are you able to get channel level data into that package? where you know what percent of YouTube visitors are buying what package? Do you see what I'm saying? Are you able to pass yeah, I know what you mean. that Not force data into the packaging? We've done a lot of work over the last two years on marketing attribution because we recognize that in order to get to the growth level that we want to be at, we need full funnel metrics. So we want to know, hey, if this customer is you know, really adopting this product and they've, they're paying us a lot of money, they have high survivability, where did we find them? What channel or even what resource did they come from? And, and that's a tricky thing to do for any marketer. And so we've really tried to solve that problem over the last few years. And so we have a lot more insight into that. And I would say we're, we're almost less worried about what package they're choosing, but more worried about the behaviors we see once they get into app. And so we are trying to start to bridge those gaps and think about things like, hey, if someone came from, you know, we do a big conversion benchmark report every year. If someone came from that conversion benchmark report, should their product onboarding experience be different than if someone came from a very specific use case page of the website? So those are some of the things that we're trying to do to bridge the gap between product, product marketing and marketing and bring those strategies and data points together. Yeah, because to me, like performance marketing and product marketing are literally like the same art form at different stages, right? In performance marketing, you're trying to figure out what channels work, what people work, what timing works, what their intent is. Product marketing, kind of the same thing. Like, what packages do they like? Why do they like them? How do we do more of that? The problem in my mind is that the two are siloed across every org chart I've ever been a part of where the SEO person really doesn't know product analytics. 
and the PPC person the same. So they don't know what PPC campaign they ran has the best engagement on X product or Y product. And so, yeah, to me, if we could get those integrated, I mean, that would be massive, at least for me, right? As an advertiser and someone who does this, if I knew that of my clients, I feel like I would be able to service them 10 times better. So it's totally. cool. You're onto this. And I think one thing I would add is that in most organizations, product marketing, the function would live within either product or marketing. I actually believe that it should live outside of both. And that's how we've set it up at Unbounce. So uh, when I started at Unbounce, I started the product marketing function and it was its own department. And I reported into the CRO. And as we've built it into a whole larger department called Strategic Growth, where we've brought in customer lifecycle marketing as well as partnerships, we purposely kept it like by itself because it's an unbiased department where truly our responsibility is to bridge that gap. And so hopefully the product team feels like they have support understanding the market side of things and the marketing team feels like they have support understanding the product side and we become a bit of a translator because we understand how to speak and communicate and show value to both sides of that. I love that. Now, we have to do the toxic waste. Did you get toxic waste? No, I only got warheads. Yeah, I'm gonna do a toxic waste. What is and that? I don't think I'm gonna look at my box one more time, but no, it's just this. Okay. I'm gonna do one of these. You do another warhead, and I wanna ask you something because I'm just curious how you do it. Are you ready? Yeah. Oh it's so, it's so sour for you. Every time. Every, Every time. time. You're the you're like you got the most uh, sour sensitivity of my guests yet and i love it because this is what i was going for yeah i have to hide it pretty good. terrible no it is oh. ruined my day <laughs> no it is yeah like i like this doesn't do anything like i can't get it out like my whole mouth like dinner is going to be terrible just well, you're going to love this it's great it's great now my last question for you you said i believe in value-based pricing <laughs> i do too yet I don't have a scientific or methodical or systematic way of determining the value of my product. So a directive, I do value-based pricing, but it's still more marketplace pricing, for being honest. Uh -huh. You're dying with a hint of value. <laughs> right? So like I go and I go, okay, how much are people paying for Instapage? Uh -huh. Cool. I think our product's better. I want to charge more. I can't charge too much. And then you get, you try a pricing thing, and then you wait a quarter and you talk to AEs and you look at their close rate. So that's kind of how I've done it. How do you guys do it? Cause I don't think I'm very good at it. So how do you guys do value-based pricing? Yeah, I can help you with this. Uh, so value-based pricing, I really follow the methodology of a company called Price Intelligently. And they right. focus pretty much exclusively on- uh, Owned by you know, profit well, correct? Owned by profit well, yeah. So okay. essentially, uh, with this kind of philosophy, you can use a Van Westendorp price sensitivity survey to understand the price that someone's willing to pay. And so it actually becomes quite scientific as long as you're interviewing and surveying the right customers. And it's not just like a broad smattering of them, but it's like a focused customer segment. You can get a very good understanding of how much they're willing to pay based on how much they would convert as well. So if you were to increase the price a little bit more, you would perhaps get lower conversion and vice versa. Combine that with a trade-off um, preference survey where you understand what's the actual value metric that they're willing to pay for. 
So when we changed our pricing, we actually did a ton of research over a year of research to understand what is the value metric that customers see and then how much are they willing to pay for that value metric and on a segmented level, not just our overall customers. I love that because yeah, segment two, right? Because one of the things I found that's so horrible about some companies is how they do agency pricing, right? Because they they are it's like the like people like Bright Edge or Conductor in the SEO platform space, you can't really use them as an agency that effectively because every time you do it, you have to get a license and it's the same license cost. I mean it's a ten percent discount, but it's a massive license. How did you guys think about separating like agency from use case, but not devaluing either? Oh yeah, it's so tricky. So agencies are one of our major customer segments. And so they were part of the, the surveys and everything. And we created different packages that aligned with that. But we've also recognized that not every agency has the same business model, right? You know that. And so we've also created an agency partner program where if it doesn't make sense for the agency to sign up with an unbounds account and put their clients on that account, they can actually sign up as a partner and then refer their customers to sign up that way. And they'll get a recurring revenue and it costs them less for their subscription. So we're trying to provide multiple options for agencies to be really flexible to kind of suit their pricing model or their business model. I mean, I also think pricing is an iterative experience. We did not nail it, you know, out of the out of the gates. It's not like we're going to not do it again for three years. This is something we're constantly looking at and iterating and trying to learn from. I love that. So I'm gonna do a little recap, and I'm gonna ask you if I missed anything. Okay. So just be thinking here. Product got to get involved early. Product marketing needs to be involved early. Needs to have a say in the development of the actual product, not trying to market the product that they're given. Number one. Yes. Number two needs to be independent. Putting it underneath marketing or putting it underneath engineering, putting it underneath something hurts maybe its potential to influence either. And it's better to be independent and then be a like conduit between the two departments. 100%. Cool. Three, best KPI if we had to choose one to share across sales, marketing, and product and engineering is either average revenue per user or just frankly revenue as a metric and to see how we're heading it. Yes. Now, guess my final question. While revenue is utopic and I think everybody should, I've never talked to a product person who was more concerned about revenue than something I wasn't aware of. So what's that thing I'm not aware of that 99.9% .9 of product marketers treat as their primary KPI? Oh goodness. Um, you know what I mean? Like SEO might be organic, PPC might be lead volume or cost per lead. Product is what's that kind of thing that we should be aware of when we're talking to them so that we can frame our ideas in a context that creates adoption or they're excited about what we're presenting. I think like adoption is that thing. And I think understanding adoption is more than just like turning a feature on. Adoption is extracting value from that feature. And so pushing your product team to truly understand why did you define adoption this way? Are we sure the customers are getting value? That's great. And how can we support with that? I love it. I love it. Well, how can everyone here tomorrow get a hold of you, follow you, ask you any follow up questions? How can they get in touch with you? Yeah, the best place is LinkedIn for sure. Uh, send me a message. And uh, I always get back to people. I'm always posting content about product marketing and growth there. So if there's anything you want to learn more about, I'm happy to write about it. I love it. Well, thank you so much, tomorrow for hopping on the show. It's been great having you. And thank you for being a part of Sour and Sass. Yeah, thanks Bye. for having me. Bye.